obviously having an impact um, on exporting um, so many products um, outside of South Africa. Mm, mm. And I guess, I mean, you know, the other di- dynamic, and uh, we mustn't make it seem as if uh, it's only the big macro assets like ports and all of that that uh, matter. I think many people have lost, uh, you know, lives. Many people have lost their property. Many people have, mm-hmm. um, you know, lost their livelihoods in effect uh, on the back yeah, of these adverse weather events. Yeah, no, that's correct. Um, we've seen the pictures. Um, it was not just containers that we saw on the road, but um, cars of particular individuals. So mm. um, the Saskatchewan National Defence Force and, of, and also the Provincial Disaster Management Centre and other stakeholders um, are actually trying to help um, where they can and assist um, the communities, particularly in the Durban area. Yeah, yeah. Akwana, I mean, I guess the, the other element of this is that it does bring home a lot closer uh, the massive risks that all of us have to think about how we mitigate, how we respond to, associated mm. with climate change. Um, and and I guess when climate change meets, um, in many cases, uh, uh, infrastructure profile that was never meant for the kind of population that we have in the first instance, nor was it ever expected, I guess, that you would have a different type of social profile uh, in the society. And uh, it seems that, uh, in many ways, is coming back home to bite us. Yeah, no, I think I agree with you. I think a lot of investment is required, particularly in the infrastructure space. Um, yes, we've obviously um, post-democracy in excess of 20 years, and we've seen um, infrastructure in many of our SOEs, but outside of SOEs, even that um, infrastructure has deteriorated mm. excessively and in the last few years. Um, so I think, um, yes, um, the weather um, phenomenon that we're seeing now, um, they've indicated um, particularly in many parts of the country, um, is experiencing the heaviest rainfall since tracking um, just began in 1921. Um, so um, we need to obviously, um, I think, as I indicated, Transit couldn't have forecasted how bad the situation could get. Mm. Um, but I think we all uh, agree that infrastructure investment and development needs to take place um, yeah. urgently for yeah. us to obviously go forward um, within the South African landscape. Sure. Akona, I want us to pause for a second here and take a quick spot break. Uh, When we come back, we'll take a look at a few other stories in the world of business. And one of those is uh, Capitec uh, seemingly blowing the lights out. Yeah, 24 minutes it is after 7 p.m. It's our wrap of the top business stories. And I'm joined by a portfolio manager out at uh, 27.4 uh, uh, Asset Managers. And that is Akona Mlamleli. Akona, uh, I guess we were taking a look just before we went to the break at uh, the latest coming out of Eteguini. And of course, uh, the mayor there, Mkolisi Kawunda, has said that uh, disaster management teams are shocked by the magnitude of the recent heavy rains. And also uh, the Ministry of uh, Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs saying... Yeah, this must be declared a disaster. Uh, Already 45 lives have been lost, and uh, I think the anticipation is that there will be more lives lost. And if you are indeed in that part of the world, uh, do stay safe. Uh, Try and minimize travel. Uh, And uh, if indeed you are in low-lying areas, uh, try and, uh, I guess, uh, get onto higher ground. Uh, That's uh, some of the messaging that we've heard uh, from many of those uh, who are from the weather service. Now, Akona. I guess, uh, yeah, the uh, big, other big news that uh, came through today is uh, that uh, trade unions have started in their negotiations in the platinum sector. Now, we know there's a strike at the moment in the gold sector at Sibanye. Uh, and uh, we also know Sibanye operates in the platinum sector. And it does seem that there might uh, potentially be scope here for uh, a Sibanye-wide strike, I guess, in the case of, of them, if indeed they don't find one another with uh, the unions. But maybe just explain to us how bargaining works in this space and more importantly, uh, with where platinum prices are, is, is it set to get uh, very fractious? Yeah, no, I think um, it's, 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 
Yeah, so um, as you indicated, um, the trade unions, particularly the, the, the biggest ones, such as um, the National Union of Mine Workers and also UNCLU, the Association of Mine Workers Construction Union, um, are intensifying their action, particularly against precious, precious metals miners, the magnificent water, um, in a dispute over wage increases. So for the past two months, it's particularly been aimed at the gold mining sector. Um, however, they are currently um, protesting and looking forward to obviously going into the platinum um, of platinum operations in Rustenburg, Americana, um, particularly where the unions are in talks uh, currently underway um, with a strike action that is anticipated to obviously affect um, platinum miners, which are set to down tools in excess of about 35 platinum miners who are set to down tools if no agreement um, is set forth. Um, so this particularly um, targeting surveillance, uh, but I think maybe just to provide some context for, mm. the, for, for, for our listeners this evening, because um, with regards to the gold negotiations where the unions obviously uh, are against um, the offer that Sibanya did offer, um, um, Sibanya did in- indicate that there were workers would um, receive an 800 increase in mining monthly wages. Um, however, Newman and Q have indicated that they wa- want a 1,000 rand increase. Um, for the particular categories um, for workers that work on the ground. Um, so this particular engagement has been um, ongoing, and as we've seen in the past two months with regards to the gold sector, um, it has been uh, quite a long um, discussion, and unfortunately, two months later, they still haven't reached um, a formidable agreement in terms of the way forward. Um, now, obviously, they're obviously targeting the, the other other resources sector, which is the platinum sector. So you asked um, how the um, particular resources prices have, have fared. So yesterday, I think um, metal prices, particularly the likes of platinum and gold, um, have seen the prices have been in excess of many of what we'd like to or even, even imagine. So um, we've seen a lot of the platinum and gold companies come out in the last few months um, indicating and, and obviously indicating pro- record profits and earnings, particularly um, for these particular companies. And I think many of the workers obviously want to reap um, some of the profits that have um, been obviously enabled for these particular companies to um, get profits in the last few months. As commodity prices have surged um, in excess of historical highs, um, I think many of the workers now obviously also want to take part in some of the fruits and obviously particularly with regards to the commodity prices um, that have surged quite significantly in the past few months. This is also a sector where some consolidation is also, I guess, anticipated to happen in the next while. Uh, there's that contest over what um, I, I guess is uh, currently RB Platinum, Royal Bafugeng Platinum, uh, between the two uh, bigger players, Implats and uh, Northam. Uh, and uh, we've also heard some news, I guess, uh, coming through from Amplats as well. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess, what do you make of what shape and form a lot of those negotiations are going to take in a context uh, where many of the management teams here have uh, certainly been brandishing the checkbook, buying up shares of other businesses, um, all in a bid, I guess, to keep the operations going. Yeah, so um, obviously the past few months we've heard the, the wrangling that's been taking place with regards to an Impala um, acquiring um, a significant stake in Royal African Plaxton and also Northern, also um, putting in their best way, particularly for this particular asset. Um, this primary asset. So I think there's been a lot of consolidation. The consolidation has been mostly with regards to what's happening with regards to energy. So we've seen the energy transitioning that has t- taken place, and a lot of the miners are shifting, particularly their operations, to be more green efficient and um, to um, meet um, the COP26 goals, particularly to um, companies that they need to obviously report on, on, on some of these um, ESG um, requirements. 
Um, so a lot of these companies um, are shifting their resources and are trying to adapt um, to the new normal and the green economy um, that is um, plaguing us and obviously moving forward. Um, so the consolidation is taking place um, on the back mm. of that, um, but also on, on the back of uh, many reasons. Um, I think technology has also advanced, particularly in the sector, and um, it is one of the sectors um, in the last probably 20 to 30 years um, that has um, advanced technology-wise. Um, however, in terms of capital and humans, um, it also has lost significant miners. And we've spoken about this, particularly when um, companies do announce they, um, the results that indicate um, some of the um, fatalities that did take place. So um, I think it's obviously trying, trying to obviously transition um, energy-wise, but also trying to transition um, technology-wise. And I think that's the balance that they currently have to play in terms of um, staff and miners and also um, the advancements that's taking place with regards to technology. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I mean, I don't want to go a bit further into the technology story because, uh, you know, there were some interesting uh, discussions uh, between two platinum sector CEOs that I understand at one of these dialogues that were happening. Um, and the one was saying, you know, why don't you collaborate uh, with the industry and in trying to find new applications for the thing all of us mine? Um, and it does seem, I guess, there is some, suffice to say, uh, some difference in opinion about one the future of how long the platinum price rally is going to be i mean uh, mm. nico muller was saying he thinks for the next four or five years you know the platinum sector is in a comfortable summer uh, and then also insofar as i guess new applications for platinum outside of just the auto sector uh, are also dividing opinion among different uh, miners in terms of how they contribute to product and i guess application uh, development going forward yeah, so we've seen obviously that taking place in some of the discussions with regards to um, the advancement and also new mining and t- contracts um, or licenses um, being given by the department. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think um, we've seen the likes of Anglo-American Platinum, um, whose operations is not just in South Africa, but has got quite a diverse portfolio and within other regions. Um, so they obviously um, are more um, open to obviously making it obviously maybe uh, what they have what they have in particularly their operations in South America with Zona obviously approach with regards to what's happening in South Africa. But I think um, our economy and our landscape is very much more different, particularly stemming from our history where we're coming from, but also stemming from the high unemployment rates that we currently have within South Africa. So it is a balancing act that companies um, have to obviously consider um, when um, transitioning um, operations and also when um, and transitioning and the, the, the forecasting for the future. Mm, mm. And then Capitec. I'm going to pause there. I'm just going to be like, yeah, Capitec. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what more to say. I mean, um, you know, these guys launched some new uh, offerings, product-wise, and uh, already. I mean, I'm just looking at that funeral product. I mean, if you're hitting close on a billion. I don't know when they introduced their funeral offering, but they are 900 million by way of just top line on that. Yeah. Yeah, so I am on this. Whilst I wait for you to um, continue and finish gossiping. Uh, so the bank was a very much a disruptor when it came into the market. Um, having and providing services for the majority were mainly unbanked. So the financial inclusion um, became very much pivotal in their business plan and the strategy. Mm. So today they provided an update in terms of that and they've shown uh, some very excellent numbers that came out, um, particularly for their financial year ending February of 2022, um, seeing some crazy numbers of 
um, of an increase of about 84% increase in headline earnings per share, um, with active clients increasing by 14% to 18.1 million um, um, clients. Um, so previously in the previous financial year, they had just over 15.8 million clients, and they've been able to gauge about in the last 12 months um, more than 4 million um, clients mm. in the last 12 months. So this particular organization has done extremely well. And I think when the query and um, Farid did speak today, he indicated that Capital Digital and um, Capitex Digital Solutions has been a very much um, incremental, particularly and crucial in enabling this growth, um, particularly to grow um, as fast as fast as, as fast as it has in the mm. last 22 years. And also um, the staff being very much instrumental, particularly to the adoption yeah. and of this hybrid system that they've been able to um, roll out and very much, very much successful roll out and, mm. and, and successful. Bumper dividend, uh, returning, you know, I think around 6 billion to shareholders in the last financial year. Um, I mean, 18 million customers, um, all, I guess, using, in a sense, multi-channels. Uh, of course, there would be those who don't use the multiple channels. Uh, but this is far from, I guess, you know, uh, what many would have expected maybe five years ago when we speak of Capitec. Uh, what, in your view, I guess, um, on the part of Khirifuri and, uh, you know, that management team or successive management teams over the last while has contributed to uh, this particular bank, um, you know, certainly being, I guess, uh, one of the most recognizable brands, let alone banks in South Africa? Yeah, so um, I think the first thing is being able to tap into the market that has not been uh, has been unbanked for very very much long time and being able to provide services um, at low prices, particularly for this bank. Mm. But I think where they've um, changed the game in the last two to three years um, has been in the technology and data. Um, so the, the, the skills that they've um, gotten and the bank's digital transformation that they've been able to um, adapt to in the last few years um, has actually shifted um, particularly the client's transactional behavior, but also shifted um, digital channels, um, mm. particularly with regards to the indicated that they've got about um, 10, um, a number of clients, particularly um, over an excess of about 10, what, over 1 million clients, particularly with regards to who are transacting online and who have adopted um, the contact card payments, online shopping, and particularly COVID um, was a hamper, particularly with regards to the impairments that came through. Um, however, mm. the adoption of clients and the 6.6 active banking app users um, in the last year um, very much um, provided uh, very much pivotal, important growth, for, particularly for the bank. Yeah, yeah. Maybe a last one here, Akona, and uh, you know, our listeners must never say, but we don't put them on. Um, interesting thing here ESCOM is selling land. Uh, and uh, you as a member of the public uh, could potentially, or well, they're not selling it, I guess they're leasing the land, I understand, uh, for about 20 years or so. Minimum period is 20 years, so it could be maybe 99 years or 25 years or whatever. Uh, but it's all land that is strategically located, not too far from the existing power stations, and uh, it's earmarked for any, I guess, uh, solar or wind, or any other renewable projects that uh, would be looked on favorably. Because, you know, if you are bidding for a renewable project and you're close to uh, uh, the historic transmission lines of ESCOM, you're more likely, I guess, to, to sign a power purchase agreement with ESCOM. Yeah, so today um, ESCOM provided a statement um, indicating that they'll be issuing um, a number of tenders for um, leasing of some of its land that will be used to develop uh, renewable energy projects. 
Um, so the land is, um, as you indicated, uh, situated um, very close to their transmissions, uh, particularly in Bumalanga. Mm. Um, and ASCOM has indicated this particular will enable the connection um, to the grid. Um, the lease um, is expected to be for a minimum of about 20 years. And this particular land will remain in ESCOM property for the duration of the lease. Um, so the initiative is particularly intended um, just to accelerate uh, the existing grid and also enable investments in renewable energy um, next to um, the coal um, fired power stations. And I think it's also ESCOM's way to demonstrate its commitment um, to be part of the just transitions, but also part of the solution, um, as we've seen and have been experiencing the past few days, um, huge load shedding, um, which has obviously inconvenienced many of us, particularly with cold weather, that uh, cold front that has um, sprung upon us. Um, so the project will be capped at about 100 megawatts, um, which means that they will require license. Um, that um, people who are do tender for this particular RFP um, do not require license and um, mm. um, with regards to the regulations, um, particularly for this initiative. So if any potential bidders who are listening to us, um, ESCOM indicated that bidders will have until between 9th of April um, to provide the, the bidders um, offerings. And obviously, this will be an initiative and also just to increase um, the current utility and just provide some backup for where we currently are at the moment. Always a pleasure catching up with you. and Thank you so much for taking time out to speak to us. Thank you very much, Aya.